Hello, and welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, a production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined, as I always am, by Brady Oltmans, our Wild Varsity preps writer, who is on the phone up in Casper. Brady, uh, how cold are you right now? Right now, it's not so bad, because I've been inside for a couple hours, but <laughs> I... There was a time where I took the dog out to the dog park, and we we only we didn't do as much as we usually do. My face was burning, and my toes were screwed, and I had two different layers of socks on, both of them smart wool. So yeah, well, it's uh supposed to be uh like minus five in Laramie like tonight and uh, Wednesday night, so. Um, it is it is frigid right now, and uh, I'm also I don't know if it's the weather or what probably, but I'm also sort of congested right now. So <clears throat> if I have to stop and clear my throat a few times throughout this podcast, just uh, bear with me, stick with me. But let's go ahead and jump into this, Brady, because uh, <clears throat> got some football and uh, basketball to talk about, and obviously with football, uh, Wyoming has won two straight games now after its uh dominant 31 to 3 win over Nevada. I thought it was the most complete game and Craig Bowl even said uh earlier this week that he thought it was also the most complete game that they've played and um you know they if the good news is Wyoming's passing game built on not only built on some of that Momentum they had created in the passing game against New Mexico, but had what I thought was by far their best day uh, throwing the ball um, against Nevada. Uh, they had a season-high 221 passing yards, and Sean Chambers looked as good as I've seen him look all season. Uh, completed six of nine passes in, in just one half, and uh, <clears throat> counted for uh, three total touchdowns, including two through the air, and he is completing nearly 63% of his passes through the last two games. Um, you know, they sort of, they worked the short passing game, the long passing game, um, and even from the opening snap. And I think you got to give Brent Vegan a lot of credit because uh, they went against tendency there on first down, on that first down play, on the very first play of the game. Because uh, I haven't like, gone back and researched to see exactly how often they're running the ball on first down or what the percentage is, but they run the ball on first down a lot. And I think uh, everybody in that stadium, uh, including Nevada, I thought they were going to run the ball you know, on that first play of the game. And Wyoming sort of used a, uh, a different formation, sort of like a – they had three people in the backfield, sort of like a diamond formation with uh, even Rocket Ismail Jr. back there. And, you know, the at the snap it looked sort of like um, – you know, it might be a jet sweep or some some, some sort of zone read with uh, Sean because uh, he put it in Rocket's um, belly and then pulled it. And, you know, Xavier Valade uh, escaped out of the backfield. And uh, Sean just waited for him to clear the linebackers and uh, put it on him perfect and hit him in stride. And it was a 53-yard touchdown. And uh, that sort of set the tone for the rest of the day. And uh, Xavier had – a career day, uh, 206 <clears throat> rushing yards and accounted for 280 total yards from scrimmage. And that was the most for a Wyoming player since uh, a guy named Brian Hill accounted for 302 against uh, Nevada three years ago. So um, just an all-around a really good day. And uh, as I mentioned, the passing game also uh, hit some deep shots to uh, 
to rocket. I mean, he had a career day too. Uh, I think it was 93, 93 or 96 re- receiving yards. One of the two, I can't remember the exact number, but that's all this Wyoming offense really has to do because uh, we, we've talked about it in nauseam, man. When, when you run the ball as well as they do, every defense that they play, you know, the corners and safeties are can't help but take a peek into the backfield. And, you know, the 37 yard touchdown that, that rocket caught, but he ran by both the corner and the safety on that play. And uh, Sean put a perfect pass on them, and they at least showed the ability that they can do that. And obviously, that's that's really important for this offense to um, at least show that they're capable of being a lot balanced with the schedule that they've that they've got coming up. Uh, the bad news is that uh, Sean only played a half because he took a hit to his left knee. Um, he actually took it right on sort of the lower thigh knee um, area um, on his left leg on on the uh, touchdown run that he had um, immediately came out for a few series as they sort of looked at him on the sideline. And um, eventually he returned and actually threw that uh, touchdown pass to rocket. Um, but, you know, at that point when they were up 24 to three, I think it was at half, um, you know, Craig Bowles said that he, he had been cleared to come back in the game, but they weren't taking any chances. Obviously there was, they were in, control of that game from the start and you know weren't going to take any chances with putting him back out there so uh but the sort of the prognosis right now is that um he did undergo an MRI on that left knee just as a precaution there was no uh structural damage or or ligament damage Craig Bull said but um Sean did not practice on Tuesday uh he was actually out there in street clothes with a brace on his knee and uh, Craig said that there is some swelling in there. So I'd be shocked if he practiced it all this week. I mean, they need him. There's no doubt 100% um, when they go up to Boise here in a couple weeks. Um, so, yeah, I f- expect them to fully take advantage of this bye week and <clears throat> try to get him you know, back to as close as 100% as, as he can get uh, over this next week and a half as Wyoming goes through its Second and uh, final bye week before they have to, uh, you know, start this this next four game stretch up at Boise on November 9th. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the things that we talked about on one of the season opening pods. I believe it was. Um, we're talking about the bye, Wyoming's bye weeks, um, and they lined up pretty much perfectly. I mean, you, you get a good amount of games, a healthy amount of games in first. You get one conference game in, and then you get your first bye where you can kind of heal up a little bit, do a little quick dash of games that you can tally a couple of wins at, maybe get bowl eligible. Of course, at the time, being bowl eligible at that point we thought was would be remarkable now that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And then they're able to kind of heal up again here. Um, real quick about the play selection. You know what it reminded me of? This wouldn't really mean anything to you, Davis, because you're, you know, down there on the beat. But um, at the preps level, Kelly Walsh has kind of struggled with consistency problems. They've been a triple option team here in town. Um, They really, they played Gillette for the opportunity to make the playoffs this last week. And on the very first play, they went, they went to the air, which is not like them. Uh, You know, I, you probably could have counted on an amputee's hands how how many people wa- thought they were going to throw on that one, you know, and yeah, and just like that, you know, Kelly Walsh gets momentum, they get excitement, they score, they take the lead almost, they take the lead immediately, and it's 
those sorts of things are good for momentum. And I know the Kelly Walsh head coach said that that wasn't something they'd worked on all year. That was something they worked on all week. You know, that's one of the things yeah. they knew that they needed to do. And it, it rang to similar execution and similar results um, for what Wyoming had. Now, another big point that I think we both might, I know I did, I believe you also mentioned it as well. Um, Wyoming has a habit of, or has had a habit this year of just letting teams stick around in games. Um, yeah. Granted, you know, like the, the two losses, you um, both of them, Wyoming came back, but they also like had chances to put away opponents and just, they kept them around and they, yeah. and they ultimately paid for it. This is one of, this is another one of those games where, Granted, you're seeing a lesser quality of opponent than both of those losses, but you you got to put teams away when you can. There's no doubt about it. And it, the, the sad reality is having the big lead like that gives you the opportunity to sit your star quarterback if he takes a shot to the side of the leg and you, you're, he's questionable. You know, um, if that's yeah. a if that's a one possession game, Sean Chambers might come back out, and that's a little bit more dicey of a situation for him. So, yeah. Overall, I think there was a lot of there was multi prongs to Wyoming's performance, and all of them shine brighter going into the bye week, and now going into the the meat and the teeth of their schedule, they've got a lot of things that they can feel good about. Yeah, you brought up some good points, and that and that is important to me. While Wyoming's schedule to this point has not been, at least in conference play, the, the toughest that. Um, that they're going to see, obviously. Uh, it, I think it does say something about the way that they've won these games. I mean, UNLV blew them out. Uh, Nevada, which, I mean, record-wise, had the best record of uh, of maybe other than San Diego State, you know, had the best record of any of the um, conference teams that Wyoming's played to this point. And, and first play of the game, you you know, take control and, and never let your foot off their throat and put that game away with ease. And, um, you know, even New Mexico, that was, you know, while they never really pulled away till midway through the fourth quarter, they, I think New Mexico, you know, for all their problems and all the uncertainty surrounding that program, I mean, they've been, I think they're a little bit better than some people might might have thought. I mean, they, they've got, um, you know, a, a, top, a top half of the league uh, rushing defense and rushing offense. I mean, they've they've got a few weapons. Um, so that, I think that was um, a little tougher of a game than most people thought it would be at, at the beginning of the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for them to win those games the way they did, um, you know, you're now 6-2. and two, You're obviously bowl eligible. Um, you go into this uh, bye week, um, you know, a, a half game behind both Boise State and Air Force atop the Mountain Division standings there in the Mountain West – and it sets up what we have been talking about, uh, you know, ever since the summer and ever since fall camp. And that is the gauntlet that is November for Wyoming. Uh, that will obviously begin, as we mentioned, with Boise State. <clears throat> and then you have road trips at, at uh, Utah State and uh, Air Force to end the season uh, with a home, your only home game left against uh, Colorado State in between those. So, um, Brady, with that in mind, and this being an off week, I mean, I, we'll dive a little more into um, the uh, Boise State matchup in detail next week. But I wanted to uh, just run through these last four games and sort of um, rank them as, as sort of how I see them in terms of uh, degree of difficulty. 
just considering, um, you know, obviously the, the team's records and, but also how they're playing at this point of the year. And, um, you know, you can chime in if you want and, uh, and agree or disagree at any time. So, uh, feel free, but I think obviously the toughest, um, in my opinion, and I would think it's an almost universal opinion is Boise state. I mean, yes, this team, the, the, the last time that they actually played, cause they were off last week, um, they lost uh, t- on the road at BYU and, uh, you know, have sort of fallen back, you know, behind in that, in that race to be uh, the highest ranked or possible, possibly highest ranked uh, group of five champion. Um, but I mean, look, this is a team that obviously is, is nationally ranked still 21st in the country in this week's AP poll. They're a national brand. They recruit at a higher level than anybody else in the Mountain West. They've got better, um, skill players and, and better athletes for the most part than you know any other team in the in the league. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna beat, or uh, I should say, if you're gonna actually make a serious case and a serious run at winning the Mountain West, it goes through Boise State. I mean, just look at Wyoming. The only time that they've ever played for the Mountain West championship uh, was the year they beat Boise uh, back in 2016. So. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, obviously having to go up there and playing them, um, you know, on the blue turf, um, Wyoming has never won there, um, since Boise state became a member of the mountain West back in 2011. So, um, I mean, I think it goes without saying that that's going to be their toughest, um, test that they have left. And it's an, it's another big reason why, um, you know, Sean Chambers health is so important, uh, and, you know, and just to kind of see how how that evolves and unfolds over the next couple of weeks. Because uh, you know, when Craig Bull said it the other day, I mean, they're going to need all hands on deck um, for them uh, to have a realistic chance, um, you know, to pull out that win on the road in a couple of weeks. So, obviously, that's, that's number one for me. And then I think the second toughest game that they have left is Air Force. I mean, this Air Force team, man, yes – the, the rushing attack gets all the sort of gets all the headlines and all the publicity with them, man, and and rightfully so. I mean, they're second in the country in rushing this year. I mean, they're all they seemingly are always um, top ten, if not top five, in the country in rushing with that uh, that option attack that they run. But um, this defense for them is no joke. I mean, they are they are legit on that side of the ball. I mean, they Utah State went to Air Force last week and, and got skull drug. I mean, Air Force beat them 31 to 7 and it really wasn't even that close. I mean, I saw I watched some of that game and uh, Air Force just dominated that thing, man, and they're they're playing at a really really high level right now and uh, they actually have the most conference wins of anybody in, in in the league right now. Now, that's because they play more conference games than everybody with 5, but um they're sitting there at 4 and 1 in the conference and um you know, their only loss so far is the Boise State. So they're playing outside the uh, conference this week. I can't remember who they're playing. But, um, you know, their only other loss this year is to Navy, who is the only team that uh, is outrushing them in the country so far. So, um, you know, they're a solid team. And then third is Utah State. And I would have never thought that at the beginning of the year. I picked Utah State to win the Mountain Division this year. And – uh, I think I put – well, I know I put uh, way too much emphasis on um, Jordan Love and just his ability because um, he is being touted as a possible first-round 
pick in, in this year's or next year's NFL draft. Um, but I don't, I don't think I put um, enough stock in the fact that, that he lost his top, you know, receivers from last year. They lost multiple offensive linemen off last year's team. When you have that kind of talent at quarterback, you're still always dangerous. Um, but they just have not – they haven't looked anything like I think a lot of people thought they would look on that side of the ball this year. I mean, it's just been a real struggle, um, you know, to, to really find any consistency for them outside of the ball. And I mentioned them only scoring seven points at Air Force. Um, but Jordan Love is completing less than 60% of his passes, and he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns at this point. He's got nine interceptions, which is among the national leaders. And – you know, it, for a guy with that's being pegged, touted that highly, uh, as being thought of that highly, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just uh, the fact that he did lose so much of his supporting cast last year and that maybe he's just trying too hard. You know, he feels like he has to go out there and he has to – he has putting all the pressure on his shoulders to go out there and make plays or else they're not going to win and, you know, trying to force some things and – um, you know, and I haven't watched a ton of Utah State's games, but the few chances I have, it's just, I mean, it's been so inconsistent from him. Uh, you know, you, there's one play where, you know, he'll he'll drop it in the breadbasket, man, over a receiver's shoulder and, and show you why so many people think highly of him in terms of him being a next-level prospect. And the next pass, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll throw a behind receiver by like three yards or he'll throw a pick into double coverage or um, – you know, there's just not a whole lot of consistency with him or that offense as a whole. And, I mean, they, they, they're they ranked, you know, sort of about in the middle of the pack in every major offensive category. And with a with a talent like that at quarterback, um, it's sort of hard to fathom. And, yes, he's not getting a whole lot of help from their running game. I mean, their running game is decent. I think they're averaging around 160 yards a game rushing. But, you know, against a better competition, they're just they're, – it's a struggle for them, man, to, to generate much of anything. So – um, you know, that's, that's sort of, uh, why I feel the way I do. And then their, their defense, um, you know, that was supposed to sort of carry, help carry them this year as well. I mean, they've got a, they've got an all league linebacker, um, and David Woodard, um, and they've, they've got some guys up front that can, that can get after the passer, but, um, you know, that they have not been good against the run this year. And that's, you know, that's another reason why I really like, um, Wyoming to uh, to be competitive in that game and have a shot to win it. And uh, you got to remember too, this is um, you know Wyoming should have won uh, should have won that game. I mean, you can argue that uh, they should have won that game in in Laramie last year because uh, that was that was an offense that finished second in the country in, in scoring offense there at Utah State. And Wyoming basically held them to ten points because that was the game that uh, they gave up a a kickoff return for a touchdown. And when Tyler Vanderwall threw that interception inside his own 10 and gave them the ball at the three, and then they punched it on the next play. I mean, because that, I mean, Utah State scored 24 points, and those were 14 of them. So, uh, you know, I, I really like Wyoming's chances in that game a lot more than I did at the beginning of the season with just how everything's unfolded and, and the way they're playing at this point. Uh, and then uh, the last one is, is Colorado State. And while I am with you about what you said last week in terms of, you know, not automatically chalking that up as a win for Wyoming because Colorado State is might be the best passing offense that um, Wyoming sees all season. I think they're ranked ninth in the country right now in passing yards. 
And, uh, you know, everybody knows if, if Wyoming has a weakness on defense, it has been the pa- uh, stopping the pass. Um, you know, I think they're still bottom 10 in the country and passing yards allowed. And um, so, yeah, and, and Warren Jackson is a problem on the outside. Big six, six receiver for Colorado State. So, um, yeah, they'll have, they'll have their hands full with that passing game. I just feel like they're, that's really the only advantage that Colorado State has in that game. Uh, you know, based on how these teams are playing right now, because um, they're not good against the run. Um, we all know Wyoming can run it on just about everybody. Um, I think the advantages for Wyoming far outweigh the advantages that Colorado State has um, or what might have in that game when that game rolls around. Plus the fact that it's, it's the last home game. Um, Wyoming is 5-0 and now at home, I think. Um, it's just it's hard for teams to come up here and beat them. Um, I'm not saying that may not be a close game, but either way I would – I would still, I still like Wyoming's chances to, to win that game um, pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, as that game gets gets uh, later, maybe in the second half, and and they start to pull away. That's how I see it anyway. But um, what do you think, Brady? About any of that? Any agreements? Disagreements? Um, basically, in large part, I agree with you. Um, the only thing I'd say is just to reiterate how important that win over Nevada was because last week we kind of spoke on you really don't want to have to <coughs> be going, like needing one win just to get bowl eligible, and then yep. you feel a lot better about it with seven wins, and you don't want to have to go into Boise State, Utah State, your rival Colorado State, and a really good Air Force team needing to win two of those games. Now, just based on Wyoming's talent and what it looks like, I'd – I'd say they they could they could scratch two wins out of this one. Um, yeah. And the Boise State game is going to be tough, but you put this Wyoming team even on the road at Albertson Stadium, you give them a primetime spot on ESPN. I mean, that's going to they're going to come out fired up, and especially after a bye week, they're going to come out fired up. Um, like you said, Utah State just kind of a dormant team that Wyoming can kind of take advantage of. Colorado State also kind of dormant but rivalry game they're going to be fired up for that and it's it always snows against Colorado State so that'll be fun optics and then I mean at that point at that point you're looking at a really quality season finale against Air Force and maybe you know upset here or there um depending on how the 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 division division standings shake out this could get real interesting down the stretch so I, I completely agree with you in, in the order of difficulty, um, but I, I will also add the caveat that each one of these games brings a special something that makes it more intriguing, more interesting, and more important for the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and like, obviously, the, the more you win and can sort of stay in contention, obviously, the more intrigue uh, that comes with each week. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked about it last week. That. That Nevada game was crucial, um, you know, for for really their bowl hopes uh, when you see this stretch coming up. Because, I mean, let's be real, like Boise State is still undefeated in the league. Um, As we mentioned, you're going to have to go through them uh, if you want a realistic shot at winning the Mountain West. Um, So, I mean, you're looking at it realistically – um, you're probably going to have to win at least three of these games if you're going to make a serious run at the division championship. And, you know, with this schedule, I mean, I think two and two would be a damn good job by Wyoming um, and finishing the season at eight and four. If they can pull that off, um, again, 
we mentioned there are obviously some winnable games, and then yeah, if you can if you can find a way to to pull off the the win at Air Force or pull off the upset up at Boise, you know you, you're you're obviously right there, and you're going to have a say in uh, who wins the division. But I mean, this is that you know we talked even before the season. Uh, they had to take advantage of those first eight games. They've done exactly that. I mean, I talked to uh, Elijah Halliburton and even some other players earlier this week, and even they said there's there's some disappointment in that. Cause they they want they thought they could be a little bit better, you know, seven and one or even eight and zero oh, uh, going into this this uh, this stretch because you know their two losses were on the road at Tulsa and at San Diego State by a combined seven points. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I think, and I mean, they're going to be in every game they play. Um, you know, that's sort of been the way it's been all year. But I mean, I, I can't stress enough, and and any Wyoming fans that you know have, have watched the season play out. I mean, it, it, Sean Chambers has got to be healthy or as close to fully healthy as he can be. Because I don't, you know, if 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 he's fifty percent or you know, or something happens and he doesn't play up at up at Boise. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be really really tough for them to go in there and win that because Boise's got athletes all over the field defensively. There are going to be times things are going to break down and they really are going to need his ability, uh, you know, to take off and run or at least extend plays with his legs um, and sort of make some things out of nothing sometimes because uh, that's a really good defense that Boise has over there. So obviously that's something to uh, to monitor, you know, over this next week and a half as we. Um, get closer to uh, kickoff against Boise State, but you know th- this is this is the 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 fact that they're just in contention going into November. You're already bowl eligible. This I think it sort of speaks to um, you know the progress that this program's made under Craig Bowl, and 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 you know it sort of s- signals uh, a point where they want to be under him. You know they want to they they hired him for a reason. <laughs> you know from North Dakota State when he was. You know, I'm sure he could have gone a lot of different places. You know, Tom Berman acted quickly uh, to get Craig Bowl, and that was to be in contention for championships, and that's what they want to do. Yes, um, you know, yeah. I mean, the, really, the expectation is to you know go to a bowl every season or every other season. But you know, every you know, as we mentioned last time they played in the Mountain West Championship was 2016. Now it's three years later. Every two or three years. Um, I think that that's the expectation is to be in serious contention, um, you know, for a Mountain West championship. And obviously there's still half of their schedule to go and, and the hardest part of it. But, um, you know, th- I think this is where um, this program envisions being under Craig Bowl and, and, you know, just where they have a shot and are at least in contention. Yeah, no, this is, this is why you hired the guy. This is, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, I think, Six and two at this point is sort of where you thought if you were Wyoming, you would be optimistic and happy. But I mean, Elijah's right. I mean, the Cowboys have legitimate beef for not being eight. No, they could be eight. No, right now. And that's, that's what it comes down to, man, is if you, I think if you would have told any Cowboys fan four or five years ago that they would be in this position consistently, I mean, last year, was a down year, but they they still finished you know six and six like and all that stuff. I I think every Wyoming fan would be happy um, with where they're at right now. And I mean, obviously, you want Sean Chambers to be healthy going down the stretch, but big picture, 
you've got to be pretty happy with how these Cowboys look if you're a Wyoming fan right now. Um, even chip on the shoulder included, thinking that you could be undefeated. Yeah. So, yeah, huge stretch coming up for them, no doubt about that. But, Brady, let's go ahead and take a break, and then uh, when we come back, we will talk some Wyoming basketball. Welcome back into the postcast, and now, Brady, we are going to talk some Wyoming hoops because, believe it or not, college basketball season is here, uh, and Wyoming has an exhibition Wednesday night um, against Northwest Nazarene, a Division II school out of Idaho. Um, They will play that at the Arena Auditorium at 7 o'clock Wednesday night, and Honestly, man, I just I'm not really sure what to expect from this Wyoming team this year. Um, there's a lot of questions when you lose a guy like Justin James and a guy, obviously, who did so much for your program uh, last season and really for you know the last four seasons. Um, you know, got finishes you know third on your all-time scoring list and up just a ton of production to replace, um, but. The good news is, um, for Wyoming, uh, we actually talked to uh, Alan Edwards on Tuesday, and the first, one of the first things he had to say was uh, they're fully healthy going into this season, which obviously, you know, they didn't even get through uh, the first month, month and a half of last season without injuries and other attrition just coming in bunches. And, um, you know, they've got 12, 12 scholarship players, um, that are that are healthy now. Um, one of their newcomers, um, big man Javier Turner, he had missed the last few weeks with a concussion, but um, he was cleared to return to f- full contact practice earlier this week. So um, that was really the only injury concern that they had. But he's back, and you know, Alan even mentioned <laughs> that he was looking out at um, on the court the other day at, at practice, and they were sort they were splitting up teams and he said, I actually had subs. Um, <laughs> cause so, um, you know, that, that's, you know, off the top, that that's kind of the first good news, um, for a while I've been going into this season, but, um, look, I mean, they, Allen's talked so much about Hunter Maldonado who, um, really, it sounds like they're really hitching their wagon to him this year. Um, do they expect him to produce, at the level Justin James did, I doubt it. I mean, he's he's a different player um, than Justin was, but um, you know he was averaging almost 14 points and almost seven rebounds a game last year before he had the back spasms and the and the knee injury 
that eventually forced them to just shut him down and uh, take a medical redshirt. So um, he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year and a guy that they're going to look forward to to do a little bit of everything for him. But I, I do think going into the year, at least, I think the perimeter um, and their guard play is going to be their strength because uh, they have Hunter back. You've got Jake Hendricks back for his senior year after he um, was one of the top five three-point shooters in the Mountain West last season, um, was Wyoming's leading three-point shooter and uh, one of the few double-digit scorers um, that they have coming back. Um and then you have A.J. Banks, uh, another senior who, you know, sort of it took him a while, I think, to sort of get into the flow and, and you know, get used to the to the speed and just everything that came with the Division One level after, you know, transferring in from junior college last year. But a sort of a freaky athlete um, that really had some moments last year. And um, now his, he'll sort of be competing for uh, the starting point guard job and, you know, you, you, they've got um, four starters back from last season. Uh, they've got six guys back that all played uh, or averaged at least 26 minutes last season. Um, so, you know, they, they've they've got some experience with, with you know, some of these, um, you know, guys that, that were sort of thrown to the fire last year that had to be, uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, T.J. Taylor and Brandon Porter and some of these other guys, um, sort of the problem is that they're still really young because all those guys were freshmen last year. Even Hunter Thompson, um, you know, the, the Pine Bluffs native, he was he was a guy who, you know, was a redshirt freshman last year, and, um, you know, they're excited about his potential. Um, but, um, you know, he's a guy that's probably going to have to give them a little more on the interior because he was really – he's uh, his offense was way ahead of his defense last year, and I think that's still the case to an extent. Um, as a guy that can, um, you know, obviously step step away from the basket and and uh, knock down some three pointers, but you know, I think he averaged like 29 minutes a game last season and averaged less than three rebounds. I mean, they, I know Alan Edwards has talked about the fact that he doesn't want to put all that pressure on Hunter and and even their bigs as a whole. I mean, he actually said on Tuesday that. Um, you know, he sees the rebounding effort as being more of a team effort. And uh, the fact that they have some bigger guards, when you talk about Hunter Maldonado at 6'7", um, you know, uh, Kenny Foster and Quane Marble, two of their true freshmen who are going to be part of the rotation almost immediately. Um, those guys are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so they've got some size, and he wants everybody to use that to uh, – to help them improve their rebounding last year, which is what was among the worst in the country uh, last season in rebounding margin. Um, they've got to be better in that area. Um, and you've got a junior college big coming in and Tyler Mormon, who they think is going to help. And then Javier Turner is their biggest newcomer at 6'11". So this team does have more size, a lot more size than they did last year. You just wonder how all this is going to mesh with so many young guys still that played a lot last year plus the newcomers that are coming in how they how all this is going to mesh what it all is going to look like um alan edwards said tuesday that um uh, you know he's comfortable you know now that they are healthy he's comfortable with with nine or sometimes even ten guys being a part of that rotation um and obviously that is they didn't have nearly that kind of depth last year i mean they were down at one point with all the injuries um you know, to a seven-man rotation. Now they've got some more numbers that they can play with. And um, it's just, you know, 
you sit here, you can talk about you, you know, some of that production they have coming last year and some of their newcomers coming in. But until these guys actually go out and do it on the court and prove that they can take on some of these more significant roles that they're going to have to fill this season, you really just don't know until you, until they go out there and uh, and play some games. Yeah, no, I the thing that I'll always carry with me last year is, and maybe this is more of a, an occurrence than I think it is, but um, another Pine Bluffs native, Hayes Fornstrom, um, was going to Laramie as a preferred walk-on for the football team, and then he got asked to join the basketball team to fill out the roster. He is now no longer playing football, and instead he's a full-time member of the basketball team. I mean, that's just odd to me. Um now that's not to, that's not an indictment of this year's team at all, but that's just that's the state of how things were last year, and it's good to have them healthy again. It's good that this team is playing better, but I I like you just have absolutely no don't even think about expectations. I have no idea of what to expect yeah. out of this out of this team. Um, you you just tend to hope that it's better than last year's product and. At, that's all I can think about, man. I mean, can't get a whole lot worse than how just their fortune and not only results, but just their fortune went last year. So it, it'll it be interesting to see how this season rolls out. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's any point sugarcoating anything. I mean, this is, this is an important year. It's a pivotal year for the direction of this program and the future of this program and, and, and Alan Edwards. Um, you know, when you're – when your athletic director comes out, you know, and it's very vocal after last season and, and calls what happened unacceptable, regardless of the circumstances, um, you know, eight wins is, uh, you know, that's not going to cut it, uh, regardless of where you are. And, um, you know, I, I think as long as they can stay healthy, I think, I don't think they're going to have another single digit win season. I mean, a lot of that was was numbers, and, and they just had to change so drastically what they did, particularly on the offensive end. You know, where they basically had just to grind their offense down to a halt because that was where they had to try to preserve all of their energy for the five, six, seven guys they had available so they could expend it all on the defensive end of the floor. And obviously, with, with more numbers and more depth going into this season, they're going to be able to play faster. Um, not that you could play a whole lot slower than they did last year in terms of pace, but exactly how fast that's going to be, I'm not sure yet. Uh, because when you think about Allen's first two years, when they were among the national leaders in offensive tempo, they played that way because they had the personnel and they had a bunch of guys that could put the ball in the basket. When you talk about Justin James and Allen Herndon and Hayden Dalton and some of those guys, with this year's team, you still have to find some guys or, or some some secondary and scores uh, other than Hunter Maldonado and Jake Hendricks. Um, so. Um, you know, it may take, you know, five, six games, uh, you know, to really figure out uh, how all these pieces fit around those guys who may emerge, who may not emerge, and, and really start to form an, an identity uh, for this team this season. Man, I, I don't it, It's just going to be really interesting. Um, the only thing I can add is, like you said, it's, for a team that really doesn't have any proven scorers, they're they're going to have to kind of go like as a, a a deep, well-rounded unit in order to score points. But you would like to sort of build that person for the future. I mean, Justin James's don't grow on trees. You need to develop them once you get them. 
and to and if they can get a guy like Kenny Foster that can sort of develop into that or to take strides towards that this year, I mean that's that's going to go a long way towards just the longevity of this program, right? Agreed, but everything's accelerated with the way last season went. Because uh, if you're Allen Edwards in this program, uh, you can't have a repeat of what happened last year. So um, we'll all get to see it for the first time uh, when Wyoming plays its exhibition uh, Wednesday night against Northwest Nazarene at the Arena Auditorium before their season opener rolls around on Tuesday back at the Arena Auditorium against Idaho State at 7 o'clock. But Brady, I think we can go ahead and uh, wrap it up there. Um, as always, you guys can stay tuned in to uh, Trib.com and PostAuthority.com for uh, complete coverage. I will be there Wednesday night covering that exhibition. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pokes Authority and at Wild Varsity. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. You can also follow Brady on the Twitter machine at Brady Oltmans. Uh, this podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. So be sure to uh, like it, download it, share it, give us that five-star rating. Brady, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. I appreciate all of you guys for listening, as always, and we will talk to you again next week.